0: Hey, all. Thank you very much for uh, joining us for today's session on how to build a big data analytics data lake on AWS. My name is Neeraj Verma. I'm a solutions architect with AWS, been here with Amazon for two and a half years. Joining me today um, in this session is Sara Mahanti, who is a senior manager, information system at Amgen. Sara would be talking about their journey to data lake and their implementation of data lake. And towards the last section of this talk, um, we would uh, talk Dario Rivera, who is my colleague, solution architect based out of London Office. will walk you through on how to deploy a working prototype of a data lake in your own account, AWS. So we'll do a bit of demo. So again, uh, first section mostly about a little bit of concept around what is data lake, getting our arms around that, what are the important components of a data lake. I will also go a little bit into how do you build these bare minimum components for a data lake leveraging AWS services. And uh, again, the second section, Amgen's data lake initiative, and lastly, how to build data lake in your AWS account. So with that, let's get started. So what is a data lake, right? So today's organizations are tasked with managing multiple types of data coming from a wide variety of sources, and facing massive volumes and heterogeneous type of data, organizations are finding that in order to provide timely insights into this data, they need solutions that offer better flexibility and agility than what we have today with the traditional data management systems. Uh, so dl lake is, again, a new way to store and analyze massive volumes of heterogeneous data you bring in this massive data into the central storage repository and then make it available for different compute applications. You know, you want to do descriptive analytics, you want to go predictive analytics, data science, machine learning, and that. We'll talk about a little bit more about in terms of, you know, contrasting it with those traditional data management systems and how we are now better off in terms of agility and flexibility. The first question, you know, if, if you are working on data management systems, and you're trying to get your arms around you know, structured data, unstructured data coming in from sources like social media, becoming more and more important now, because you know it's good to have the transactional data from your databases and online transactional system, manufacturing system, but what if you can enrich that with other data that is coming in, which is probably not as structured. Right? So the, the question is, how do I bring all this data very quickly into my central repository and then be able to start you know exploring it uh, you know reducing my time to value in terms of exploring insights so a data lake allows you to quickly ingest all kinds of data structured as well as unstructured in its raw format very quickly and make it available for data discovery so that's the first attribute of a data lake and with the economies of scale you could uh, you know and then the storage costs, you can now bring in all that massive volumes more so on the cloud based solution without having to worry about you know, per unit cost of storing that data and keep it as long as you want. maybe down the line, you know you will discover new questions that you haven 't thought about today you know, with the existing systems with the storage cost of the you know, data warehousing and, and and compute cost you know they joined at hip. You often have to scrub the data and only pick up the attributes that are more interesting to you and, and push it into a predefined schema into your system. So with data lake, you don't have to do that upfront. You bring in all your data and then do the ETL and do you know all the computation based on the use case that best fits your requirement. The second attribute is, today, you find that your data in your organization is in different silos you know, um, customers, care has their data in CRM systems, you know, uh, accounting has in the accountable payable systems, and so on and so forth. So with Data Lake, you know, you can store all disparate set of data and co-locate that data so that you can drive connections, right? Once it's easily available to you and you can swipe across that data, maybe marry some data sets, you can get to the insights more quickly that you would do in a traditional way. So that's the second attribute. Thirdly, I touched briefly on storage and com- storage versus compute. Traditional data management systems are kind of married at you know at hip in terms of storage and compute. So when you think about this massive volumes of data coming in, your question is well, you know, how do I scale? Well, what do I keep? What do I drop? Well, with the data lake concept, you can have. A, Decoupling of storage and compute, so you can scale your storage based on the data that's coming in, and apply the right amount of compute. Right, so you don't have to buy higher number of cores just because you have now massive volumes of data set that you want to analyze. You can bring them in, and again, as you need, as best fits your need, you bring the right kind of compute to this. And lastly, this is this is probably the most important attribute in terms of agility, right? So the question um, organizations are asking, is there a way I can do some quick ad hoc analysis? Can I do multiple analysis on the same data at the same time? Data lake, a functional data lake, allows you to do that because you are not waiting to, again, transform data into a predefined schema and losing some of the important information bits. Um, You have all the data, it's decoupled from the compute. You bring in the right kind of analysis to that storage layer. And do schema on read. Apply your schema on the fly and discover insights. It's sort of saying that now you can find answers to the questions that you haven't thought about before. With the data warehousing solution, you, you have to, again, think already about what kind of questions I need to answer. And you purposely then design your system according to be you know fast requires on that. This is not to say that data warehousing does not have a place. It's definitely data lake complements data warehousing, does not replace it because data warehouses are pretty good in terms of faster queries, aggregates, summary statistics. So a functional data lake could be a source for structured data or unstructured data that, again, after right kind of discovery and exploration, you could push into a data warehouse for faster queries and dashboards and all that, all that stuff. So, we talked about what data lake is, what the key attributes of data lake are. Let's also talk about the bare minimum components of a data lake. Right? It's good to have all the data you know, in one place. Well, how to make it more functional and more usable for the end user. So first thing, obviously, storage makes the backbone. Right? We need to have a quick way to bring in all sort of data in its native format, ability to keep it there so that we can you know, ask questions second thing the data set itself all the data need to have information about that data so that it is easily discoverable you know uh, otherwise if you don't have that catalog of data the rich metadata about the data sitting in the data lake it becomes more like based on tribal knowledge you know uh, people in the know will know that this these this files you know this data sets are meant for this kind of use case and you know so forth so you want not only want to have the rich metadata, you want to build a search capability. So, you know your users, even the business analyst, can go in and search for the right kind of data, and, and start doing their on-the-fly discovery and exploration of the data in the data lake. Protect and secure. Obviously, we want to make sure there's the right kind of security and protection. I'll go a little bit more detail on this later in a, a dedicated slide. Uh, and lastly, uh, the data lake has to be available to downstream application. And the users who want to discover data sets. Now, all these components, these are the bare minimum components, right? Obviously, we would talk about what other additional add on capabilities you can build on top of the data lake. All these components, they are, you know, you can build them with open source solutions, you can build them with off the shelf products that many of our AWS partners offer you could also leverage our services managed offerings that are built to quickly be able to deploy at a low cost and and on a pay-as-you-go basis. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a look at how to build this four components I talked about using native AWS building blocks. And of course, again, uh, disclaimer here is you can build it the way you deem fit for your use case. AWS is a flexible platform. You can tailor your approach to building the data lake architecture on it. You can mix and match. So you could be running Hadoop clusters from Cloudera or MapR you know, on, on, on EC2 instances that are easy and quick to deploy. You could be leveraging our EMR offering, Elastic MapReduce, which is a fast way to have flexible compute capacity to run your Hadoop clusters. You can use our Kinesis service for bringing in streaming data, or you can do using Kafka on EC2 instances. So with that, let's go into one by one into those four components I talked about, the first being ingest and store. So any storage solution here has to be able to quickly ingest data and be able to provide those connectors, those functionalities, so that you can bring in not only the batch data, you want to bring in the real-time data, you wanted it to be uh, accessible, durable. So Amazon S3, Simple Storage Service, offers a perfect match for long-term, durable, scalable, low-cost storage option um, that is designed to be easily accessible with various applications via APIs um, and, and other interfaces available to you. And it's integrated with multiple AWS services. In terms of bringing in the data into S3, you can bring in real-time data by Amazon Kinesis. You could use uh, secure devices such as Snowball, where you can batch ingest lots of data. Um, You could uh, have a direct connect, which is a private connectivity from your current data center um, storage systems back into AWS environment. Or you can use AWS Storage Gateway that sits in as a software appliance into your environment connecting back to the cloud storage and of course there are isv connectors available there from uh, technology partners the third attribute of amazon s3 is its integration to have a frictionless integration with you know compute capacity other use cases you want to bring it you can like i mentioned bring in emr to do the computation you can do uh, integrate with amazon machine learning to do different machine learning algorithms, build your models, do discovery on data in S3, or you can use our petabyte scale data warehousing solution, Amazon Redshift. For the data that we already massaged and you already know that this is something we're going to need for faster query and make available to business users, you can push that to the uh, Redshift. In terms of catalog and search capability, you could build a serverless architecture for the data that is in the, in the Amazon S3 by creating uh, the metadata and storing that metadata in a fast and durable uh, NoSQL database, Amazon DynamoDB, that easily can scale to single millisecond uh, latency. And to keep your catalog up to date, you can use even-driven computing using Amazon Lambda, which is our function in the cloud, where you don't have to worry about the underlying infrastructure. You just write the code that gets triggered as the new data streams in or new batch of data comes in that can go through the data and push the metadata index into the DynamoDB. You also want to make this index searchable, right? So you want to do aggregate searches. You want to do wildcard searches on the data. You want to do fuzzy searching. So then what you could do, you can further trigger update of the search index using, again, AWS Lambda into Elasticsearch, providing easy way for users to search the data. In terms of data protection and security, of course, it's really important. So when you become a customer of AWS, you get access to this highly secure cloud infrastructure where, you know, by design, you get access to a deep suite of security Services that you can, you know, bring to bear for access control, for data protection, encryption in transit, encryption of data at rest, with just a click of a button, right? So you can. There's a lot of flexibility built in into the key management offering, AWS KMS. You could have secure access to S3 buckets within your VPC through the private endpoints, um, or you could. Uh, you know, go granular to the bucket level, object level, as to who can access what data based on the profile. You could build integration with, in terms of front-end, with federation integration with your existing active directory or LDAP directory where your existing authorization information is. So you get access to a secure platform. You get all these deep security solutions, knobs and levers that you can leverage, and also... Amazon manages over a dozen compliance programs for our infrastructure, giving you guys a leg up for complying on your end with various uh, compliance requirements such as HIPAA, PCI, uh, or SOC1, SOC2. In terms of uh, making data lake available to end users and applications, you could leverage a simple website running out of Amazon S3 with dynamic components actually backended by API Gateway, which essentially is having the functions exposing, again, functions written in AWS Lambda that goes back and searches into Elasticsearch or DynamoDB. So you could could have this, and I have an example here, and Dario will kind of show this running demo of all these things I'm talking about, how to kind of put it together and demonstrate. So this could be as simple as this, right? How do you bring in and, again, federate this? information in. So you put all this together, you get this picture of a working functional data lake capability. You have ingest, you have data management, you have security, and you have catalog and search. On on the on the left side, my left side, your right side, this is where you bring various computation analytics capabilities into the data lake, again, leveraging those the functionalities we have quickly built using uh, AWS uh, basic building blocks. For instance, you can use QuickSight, Amazon QuickSight, to do a quick discovery of your data in S3 and, and build your uh, graphic interface. So th- that was the basic you know, things we put together in terms of bare minimum. There are some of the add-on things, as we talk to customer, that you can build on the data lake. You could, uh, as you go through your journey of data lake, after you have the basic capability up and running, you can have a back-end ETL processes built so that, again, you you can format the data in a certain fashion. Maybe you're getting CSV files. Maybe you want to make it available in a compressed format, parquet or other format to uh, your processing engines. You can do that. You can build uh, process gates into the data lake in terms of who can access the data sets. Right, maybe users have to go through certain training before getting to confidential data sets. Um, so those those things you can build in line with your business process. You could also do based on knowledge your knowledge of your existing data and business. You could build some machine learning learning algorithms to draw connections between the data sets that probably gonna make it easier for your end users to discover data better. Right? So you're kind of building this capability, making data lake more and more functional for end users. As and when more data comes in, streaming in from different sources, your data lake capability is only going to mature. Your your metadata is going to be richer. Your search capability is going to be better. You're going to learn how to build these add-on capabilities so that it's, it's just more functional. The last uh, on the right side icon here is that as new data come in, you also want to build a way so that this data now is made available to the existing Compute that's already running on the data lake. Maybe there's a cluster that's analyzing the data, so you can write some code. Things like AWS Lambda that will present that new data set, detect it, and present it to the new compute environments. So, data lake is a journey. It's it's not a pattern that you'll say, okay, you know, we 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 we're done with just you know, if we had these ten things, we're done with the data lake. You're gonna discover new capabilities. You're going to build new capabilities. You're going to use open source tools. You're going to use AWS services. You're going to off-the-shelf tool. Your use case is going to determine what, how you approach and what you build with your Data Lake capability. So with that, I'd like to invite Saurav Mahanti to talk to us about their journey for Amgen Data Lake. Oh.
1: Good afternoon, everyone, and uh, thank you, Neeraj, for the introduction. Um, So Neeraj just covered what the data lake concept is, its uh, its architecture, and uh, one of the patterns on how to build uh, a data lake. Uh, But he he also said that there are multiple implementation patterns for a data lake, and I will uh, briefly cover... Uh, real-life implementation of an enterprise data lake at uh, Amgen. I'll try and focus mostly on the value our business users have been getting after we deployed the data lake. Um, So Amgen is a biotechnology company located in uh, Thousand Oaks, California, just about 40 miles north of Los Angeles. And uh, we are one of the pioneers in the science of using Uh, living cells to make biological medicines Um, for over 35 years we've been one of the leaders in the biotechnology research space as well as clinical development and uh, biologics manufacturing and over the last few years we're seeing that the uh, role of data and analytics is becoming very very critical in the success of these business functions So at Amgen, I manage uh, the big data engineering group, and my group, along with uh, um, a set of other partner services, uh, provide this enterprise data lake platform to our business users and functional uh, functional units. So um, our journey started about two years ago when a couple of our uh, key business units were going through some significant transformation. Uh, The first unit was our process development group. Now, the process development group is a group of scientists who are looking at um, data from our our laboratories, our manufacturing lines, our bioreactors all the time in order to improve and optimize our manufacturing processes, our operations processes. Uh, The second group is our observational research group. And uh, this group is uh, essentially statisticians and epidemiologists who look at uh, real-world evidence or um, electronic medical records, electronic health records, claims, etc., anonymized data, uh, in order to do observational studies uh, so that they can you know, look at the safety, efficacy, and um, you know, economic value of Amgen products. So, as part of their transformation, they um, were asking for a new type of analytics, uh, much in, m- m- more and more data, you know, types of data that we had not uh, used earlier or we, we hadn't you know, managed earlier. And uh, within IS, we quickly realized that we need a. A different kind of solution, our traditional data warehouse uh, solutions would not number one scale up to handle the volumes we were expecting, and number two they would not uh, they, uh, they would not provide the capabilities or the features our uh, business users were asking um, apart from that. Our IT leaders were also asking us to move more towards a cloud-based infrastructure, uh, trying to leverage more um, open source to, uh, technologies, big data technologies, um, microservices, DevOps, etc. So we came up with this idea of building a data lake. Okay. Uh, a single data lake in concept which uh, would serve multiple business functions, right, uh, not just our process development and uh, uh, observational research groups, but other groups in the future as well. Uh, it would have shared features, so as and when we deployed one capability, whether it's uh, search or in-memory analytics or any new capability, it would be shared across all, all units who would be using the data lake. Uh, it would have a common, shared infrastructure, uh, scalable infrastructure, but with the ability to be deployed not only on the cloud but also on our on-premise uh, data centers. Uh, and then we came to that with, you know, one code base, easier to maintain, low cost, all of those good things. Right. So we called it our data lake platform. So the the bottom layer is, uh, you know, our overall data lake ecosystem that comprises of our core Hadoop platform, as well as all the other associated technologies. And I'll get uh, a little bit into the details of what this platform looks like. Uh, the second layer is the common tools and capabilities. So these are you know, search, data processing, visualization, et um, Once these capabilities were available, our business users started loading the um, raw data, or you know, the, uh, what we call a common data layer, So from our manufacturing uh, group, they started loading data from our MES systems, um, laboratory information management systems, uh, lab notebook systems. Um, Then we had uh, the real-world evidence data being loaded by our observational research team. And then next year, we are having our commercial uh, organization bringing in the sales and marketing data as well. After this uh, common data layer of raw data was available, Um, various other groups, subgroups, and even even manufacturing and uh, C4 were building these uh, analytical applications. So the pillars you see here are very focused uh, applications built to meet a specific um, analytical purpose. Typically, we would have built a data mart for... Uh, building uh, for these kind of applications, and they would be separate data marts spread all over the organization. Now we are able to build these within the data lake itself, um, using using all the different types of uh, tools I'll cover in the next slide. So this is our high-level architecture for the data lake. Um, it's at a, at a high level, it is very similar to what uh, Neeraj covered. Um, in terms of the big boxes. And uh, what I'll do is, uh, for each of these uh, sections, I will uh, try and articulate what the business value or the actual use of these components has been at Amgen. Okay. So our core layer is our uh, storage and processing layer. This is basically our workhorse. Uh, it contains all the data and the ability to um, to uh, manipulate and transform the data. Right? So initially, we had rolled it out on a uh, Hadoop platform using HDFS. Uh, um, but now we've also added the Amazon S3, and uh, we offer our clients the option of uh, you know, cost versus performance balance, you know, whatever suits their, their application, their need. Uh, we had started off with... Uh, Yarn and MapReduce, we're slowly moving off of that and introducing more and more Spark applications. And having the storage and processing capability on AWS has been uh, very helpful because it's fairly easy for us to readjust and reconfigure our um, AWS machines on EC2 when we need more memory for Spark, for instance, we're easily able to do that. Um, So the value... Our business has uh, got from the storage and processing um, layer before the data lake. Our um, observational research team would go in and buy these external data sets, uh, uh, electronic medical uh, record sets, which would range from about 100 gigabytes to maybe five to 10 terabytes, right? But before they could actually even use that data set, they had to figure out how to load it into our SAS grid, which was heavily used, and uh, there was always some activity or the other going on on the SAS grid. So the first thing they had to figure out was negotiating with other groups so that other groups can finish their analytics, free up that much space, and then they would load their data in in the SAS grid, and they could start their analytics. This process used to take about, two to three months. So imagine buying the data and then after three months you really actually get to see it. After we've put in the data lake that process has reduced to uh, about one week. Right? We get the data, we load it immediately into Hadoop. Apart from that we also spin up an elastic compute capability in Redshift, load the data there, run a whole bunch of metrics uh, and data quality checks and by the end of the week when we publish the data back to our end users, it's uh, it's you know, already loaded. It's been data quality checked, and uh, they already have metrics that they were looking for um, in order to start their analytics. Right. So we've reduced the cycle time from um, two to three months to about a week. Apart from that, because our SaaS environment was a shared environment, uh, queries you would take you know 20 to 30 hours. Now most of our queries run within 15 minutes. Um, so they are getting significant performance benefits on this, and uh, you know, their their throughput has increased quite a lot. So the next layer is our procure and ingest layer. This is how we get data into the data lake. Um, we have four different patterns. The first one is your standard structured data, which is coming from either... Uh, Um, databases or flat files, structured flat files. The second one is uh, real-time data ingestion. This is either a um, a real-time connection with a source system or streaming data from our um, benchtop instruments and various sensors in our um, uh, manufacturing lines. So we use Kafka and Spark streaming for doing that. Then uh, we also have a lot of unstructured data. So um, especially in the process development space, pro- uh, the scientists, they conduct a lot of experiments. And the experiments actually have uh, you know, the, the recipe for the experiment, what materials are used, what kind of steps they took for conducting those experiments, and then finally um, the results and their conclusions. Right? So that's all in a PDF document. Um, And then finally, we have uh, cloud data integration pattern. (coughs) Excuse me. Do my little Marco Rubio thing. Um, So the value our process development scientists have been getting out of this uh, uh, ingestion layer is before the data lake, if they had to do a root cause analysis of any incident. So let's say there was a particular um, value that they were tracking for for a a lot, and uh, that was going off the boundaries, and they needed to do a root cause analysis. The first thing they had to do was go through our document management systems, uh, hundreds of documents, just to figure out what data sets they needed. Once they found the data sets, then they had to call up the owners of those data sets in order to have that emailed to them. Only then they could start their analysis. Now, with our structured data ingestion, real-time ingestion, and unstructured data pipeline, we have uh, 20 data sets coming in from our manufacturing systems, real-time ingestion of more than 4,000 messages per second from our uh, sensors, and all the lab notebook data and uh, uh, document repositories uh, crawled into our data lake art, um, annotated and a search index available for that right that whole t- the original process would take anywhere between 10 to 12 weeks now they are able to do the same thing in literally a day and once they find out what data they need they can use any product any tool visualization tool like spotfire or any odbc compliant uh, tool to Go and query that data in the data lake. Okay. The next layer is uh, the curate and en- enrichment layer. Um, this is, I talked about this earlier, uh, this is basically the data mart concept that uh, is you know, mainly targeted applications that are used by only a focus group of users, uh, and they basically sit on the data lake. The reference data linkage is an interesting thing. Uh, We found that once you have data from various sources, uh, whether it's structured or unstructured, you uh, at some point need to have an easy way of linking that data across uh, systems and enriching that data with uh, ontologies and vocabularies. For instance, uh, a typical product goes through so many different names, right? It starts with a scientific name, then it gets a a code name, like an AMG name, then finally it gets launched and it has a marketing name. So when somebody like a a process development scientist is doing a root cause analysis, they shouldn't have to know all these different names, right? And what we do with the reference data linkage is connect this data to our... um, uh, ontology systems on Semaphore, and uh, you know their search results are always consistent, no matter what uh, um, what name they use. The other thing that we are building out is a data catalog. Uh, we have an initial data catalog, but uh, we see the need for actually having a more robust data catalog. Um, we're still about a year year and a half old. By the time we have a lot more data in a few years, uh, this is going to be the make or break system for the success of the data lake. Um, <clears throat> Finally, we have uh, a single layer, um, that an access portal that allows users to connect to the data lake. Uh, all the data in, our, uh, in the lake is uh, secured using uh, Kerberos. So all the systems that have to connect to the data lake you know, use uh, a common Kerberos uh, authentication. And uh, um, from a user point of view, all they have to do is log on to the access portal, and then from there they have access to all of these different types of analytics. So apart from having you know, your basic uh, analytics and visualization in Spotfire and SAS, etc., uh, we are seeing a lot of demand for more data science-like tools, right? So you know, using R, Jupyter, um, various notebooks, and this demand for doing self-service analytics is getting more and more uh, common uh, among our user group. And then finally, we have uh, the ability to build more focused applications um, using you know, things like graph databases, uh, Neo4j, Uh, building specific visualizations uh, on that data using things like uh, d3.js. So that's a lot of work, right? I mean, what I just covered was not just, here's Hadoop, that's your data lake, right? You do have to do a lot of figuring out how do you handle security, how do you handle connectivity, right? All of those things are very, very important. And we took about a year and a half to figure it out, right? So I'm going to hand it over to Dario, and he's going to show you a better way of doing it. <laughs> Thank you.
2: you. hear me okay? Hi, my name is Dario Rivera. I'm a solutions architect with AWS. I've been with AWS about four years, and... Uh, Sarev went through essentially Amgen's journey on how they built Data Lake, and as uh, we saw, there was a lot of complexity and a lot of thought that went into making sure that they're building the right types of tools, the right types of solutions to assure that they're getting the best value for their users, Amgen scientists, Amgen uh, data analytics folks, uh, to really get the true value of the data that they're collecting. And... uh, That was a very, very excellent solution. I wouldn't say that what we're going to be presenting now is uh, any better, but it at least allows you to get started quicker and be up and running with a data lake um, in essentially a matter of minutes. So what we're going to be introducing to you today is something called the data lake solution. Uh, This is something that we uh, within Amazon have been recognizing as having a lot of value for our customers. The fact that... Um, They're not necessarily services, even though we could have presented this as a service, but more a sort of starter kit to help you go. Um, We know that, especially as we looked at the complexity that Amgen brought forth as part of their data lake, you want the capability of getting some core functionality out of something like data lake or any other sort of major concept, but still have the flexibility to be able to uh, do what you need within your organization. Add a certain type of security structure that represents the uniqueness of uh, what you want uh, associated to your enterprise. Or be able to uh, add other value on top of the kind of core capability that we've already been talking about. So, what the Data Lake solution, uh, defined by uh, uh, the Data Lake or the Solution Builders Team, which is an internal team within Amazon. There's actually another talk um, where Sean Sr. is gonna be talking about what the Solution Builders Team, they've, Collaborated together with some of the AWS SAs who have insights into what the customers are doing and said, hey, we need to do something better than just give them an implementation guide. We need to be doing something better than just saying, hey, look at this reference architecture and you'll kind of figure it out by yourself. We need to give them comprehensive capability that allows them to, after a push of a button, be able to get an up-and-running data lake. And then after looking at what that data lake is about, saying, you know... We could do this or we could do that and make it better or we can find ways to integrate it into what we do here at XYZ organization that's going to really benefit us. And that moves the needle from literally maybe a year, a year and a half worth of development that uh, has a lot of entropy behind it and making it difficult to really move forward or even a VP going Uh, that's too long, let's not even bother because that's too much resources, to now say, wow, this is really of high value. We can really do something with making Data Lake a viable solution within our enterprise. So what is Data Lake? It's essentially a cloud formation script uh, associated to a number of resources that are built within the region that uh, give you an up and running Data Lake website. It's uh, within your account. It's Essentially, um, a representation, a lot of serverless capability that Amazon offers, and we're going to go into a little bit about what that means. Uh, It's essentially a serverless data lake solution. There are no EC2 instances running that you have to manage. There's no patching capability that you have to worry about. Obviously, uh, depending on your security needs, you would be wanting to know how to take some of these capabilities and build your own security platform on top of that. But essentially, as I mentioned, it's a starter kit to get you going. Um, It starts out with S3. Um, As Niraj mentioned, this is the foundation of Data Lake. This is where all the data sets are hosted. Um, And you have the ability to now package a solution around those data sets that represent some of the core capability that we talked about previously. The thing like catalog and search, uh, stuff like uh, being able to um, build a environment that allows you to ingest those data sets into something that you can do high-end analytics on. Uh, the capability of doing um, correlations across many different data sets to understand how they work together. So this is uh, sort of the representation of the environment that the CloudFormation script is going to be giving you. As it shows here, it's two buckets. Uh, one's associated to the static website hosting. The other one gives you a primary data lake for uh, where all your data will be stored. And that bucket is really just up to you in terms of what you want to do or where you want to put it. You have an API gateway that is the microservices layer that's built on top of this whole solution and represents how you will be interfacing with the functionality of the data lake. A DynamoDB, um, seven tables that uh, define all the intricacies of what's going to be d- done to manage the data lake and manage the metadata that represents the data sets hosted within your data lake, Uh, a Cognito user pool to manage the users that you'll be building, a bunch of Lambda functions, an Elasticsearch cluster, and then obviously Identity and Access Management to control all of that. So let's go through a run through of what this actually looks like. And you're going to go, hold on, you're uh, faking it. I don't know if I like that because it's a video. And yes, it is a video. And the reason it's a video is because if I did this live, you'd be paying more attention to me clicking buttons and less on what the capability of the data lake is. So to ensure that this runs smoothly and take the demo gods out out of it, I'm going to be showing you the video. But once you uh, get access to the solution, everything that I show in this video, you will immediately be able to do within your AWS account when you actually run the CloudFormation script and build it within your environment. So if you want access to this video, it's already live on that URL. And obviously, like all the presentations you'll have here at reInvent, uh, the slides will be available to you, as well as the videos on YouTube, probably in around two weeks' time frame. So let's take a look. Um, here it is, somebody actually signing in. This is going to be a guest. and. Uh, The the, uh, guest email was already registered pre-hand, and uh, now the guest is signing in. So this is what the data lake looks like. You have the ability to uh, search on existing resources uh, within the data lake, and now you get a search result. The search result allows you to see uh, an overview of the data set. Let's pause it here for a second. And as you see here, you have a package ID. A package name. A package is essentially the representation within this solution of a data set, but a package represents essentially the metadata that the data set is about. So data set obviously is raw data, probably hosted with S3. Uh, The package represents um, the sort of dictionary uh, representation of what that data set is. And you have a package name and you have a description that you have the ability Uh, to see more insights into what this data set is all about. So you can also see contents, and the contents represent all the individual files that represent the data set. Moving forward, you also also get to see history. So when the data set was created, you also uh, have the ability to see who is accessing the data set in terms of when they actually download it from your S3 bucket into their own environment. So you get full audit trail capability, especially thinking about highly regulated environments. This is really important. So um, it works a lot like Amazon.com, hint, hint. Um, What happens here is you add uh, the ability to get what's called a manifest file and put it into your cart. The manifest file, uh, once it's added to the cart, represents the capability of downloading a file that is a JSON formatted file of all the S3 paths of the data set that you uh, just put into your cart. So we're going to show how this is being done now. The user is adding a data set to his cart. Then you actually go to the cart and you see that you have one one, uh, item in your cart. You're downloading the ability to create a manifest file and This will probably change in the near future, but right now you have the ability to use signed URLs or actually a JSON file representing the true path of the S3 file. The reason why we wanted to give you this capability is specifically from an insight perspective around security. So sometimes the people using uh, this um, capability of the manifest file may want to get access directly from the S3 path itself. But sometimes, uh, because of the nature of the structure of your S3 bucket, you may be wanting to hide certain uh, aspects of the structure of that S3 bucket. So creating a signed URL kind of uh, obfuscates that path of, of, of what actually is within your S3 bucket. And so when the, when the uh, manifest file is created in your JSON, all they see is essentially a bunch of gobbledygook that represents the actual data set and not the true path of the bucket itself. So as, uh, now we're going to download the manifest file. And we have download leaks that are automatically created. Um, now it's downloading locally the manifest file. And as you can see here, um, I just showed you what a structured JSON file looks like uh, representing the manifest paths of your data set. So what this means is that now you can take this manifest file, put it into something like a Redshift cluster, and then be able to automatically load the data representative in this manifest file into the Redshift cluster to be up and running within an analytics environment. So we continue on. Um, You have the ability to uh, sign in as a guest, but also as an administrator. If you're an administrator, you get a little bit more control over what you do within your data lake. So you're going to go into Settings. And as you can see here, Settings give you a number of different components of the resources that are used within your data lake. So you get a little bit more insight into what's actually being built within your account. You also have the concept of governance. So the reason why we wanted to include this is because um, without cataloging and search capability of your data sets, your data lake is a data swamp. It's based off of tribal knowledge, and you have fairly limited control over uh, the insights into what your data lake is hosting. So what governance does is allow you to apply tags that are either mandatory or optional that can be applied to a data set when it's created. So across your data lake, you can create mandatory tags that represent um, what every data set within your data lake should have. And then you can also create optional tags to say if the user wanted to, when he created data sets, they can add the information about that particular tag in there, but they don't have to. You also have the ability to add um, you know, data set-specific tags as necessary, but we wanted to make sure that across the whole data lake there was a concept of an optional and required that are built upon it. So now we're going to actually create a data lake. So here I'm working from healthdata.gov. And I'm just going to be copy and pasting the title and the description of this data lake um, and then be taking the information provided in this uh, public data set and putting it into the data lake solution. So just adding a name, adding the description. And as you can see here, those optional and mandatory tags are automatically included. If it's a mandatory tag, it'll have a star on it, given what you would expect from most websites. And we're adding an optional value to a tag, and now I create the package. So as you can see here, this is just a package created. There's no content in it. As you can see in the tab there, it says content zero. So we actually have to add some content. But before we do that, we're going to add some optional metadata. So here you have the ability to add specific data sets or or metadata. You also have the ability to change or remove the package after you create it as necessary. So when I actually search against the data set using the key term stroke... Since we know that's in the title, I see that it shows up as part of my search. So now I'm going to add some content to the metadata or to the dataset package. And I'm going to publish a local file. What this means is I have something on my laptop, and I'm going to add that into the S3 bucket that's being managed by the Data Lake solution and it's going to reference that into the data data set package I just created. So here I just added that that local data in, and now I'll be able to see it. So the nice thing about the Data Lake solution is that you have the ability to uh, manage users at will, creating admins and guests as needed. And we're showing here how you have the ability to create a user. So right now we are creating an admin, and this new admin shows up. And the idea is uh, it's all based off of the email. So when you create a new user using that person's email, an automatic email will be sent to that user's email account, and it'll have the temporary password that that user can use to log in. So uh, it also has the the, the URL representative of the data lake. So now the new user, the new admin, is is, uh, going into the data lake for the first time. And using that temporary password, he's going to be asked to change his password to a password that he decides or she decides. And now he's in. So the new user has access to create data sets and do everything that normal admins do. So this is all great, but it's useful to a certain point without having a CLI or a command line interface, API application programming interface, obviously what this means is that this is just a website. Data Lake is great if a user needs to interact with it. But what about if you have this whiz-bang application that you want to also be able to search on data sets and then be able to automatically take those data sets and put it into its environment? So the nice thing about the Data Lake solution is that it offers you the capability of uh, interacting with it strictly from an API or CLI standpoint. So we're going to show a demo of that now. You actually have to generate an API access key every time uh, a user is created and they want API access, as well as a secret key that is going to be used when they want to log in to the CLI and make it available. So we've copied and pasted the uh, access key and secret key, very similar to what you do when you create um, a CLI-capable AWS interface you also have full documentation on how to do all this stuff and here you see a representation of what's required in a Linux environment in order to uh, be able to be up and running um, with your CLI in a Linux environment. So I'm putting into my EC2 Linux environment and I'm going to be taking the secret key and access key that I just created and uh, being able to Make it available in the Data Lake CLI. As you can see, I pre installed the Data Lake CLI package into this Linux environment. I'm adding the credentials to make the Data Lake CLI available to my Data Lake that I have within this AWS account. And to show a little bit of capability, I just searched off of Stroke and I got a Stroke uh, result. And so what we're going to show you is how that's being done with the CLI. So here you see I just wrote data lake search uh, dash dash terms with quotation stroke. And I put it into a JSON um, parser. And the results associated to that represent essentially the same kind of capability that I was able to get from the uh, website. So that's really useful. Let's do uh, something different, like look at the contents of the stroke dataset. Right now we see that we have four um, files representing that data set. I'm clearing it out, and now I say describe package data sets of the package ID, um, and I want some JSON telling me the contents of that data set. And as you can see here, uh, even though it scrolls through pretty quickly, this is uh, some of the contents that represent the data set itself. So this is very useful information. You can get up and running very quickly. So what I'm going to be doing is now being uh, running a Redshift cluster, uh, being able to um, create a table structure. And then as you can see here, I am taking the S3 path defined in that JSON file that was in the manifest and I'm going to be loading that data into the table I just created within my Redshift cluster. So it just recorded 39,000 records, and I'm doing a simple uh, query statement that is going to give me the relative counts of all the unique records and showing the total overall for um, a specific uh, where clause. I also can get, get a select top Of the capability. And the reason why I wanted to show you that was I went from raw data hosted within an S3 bucket with no context behind it, being able to apply this data lake solution on top of it, and now getting a manifest file because of the data lake solution that turns into a comprehensive analytics environment that you can run in Redshift. So you see soup to nuts how this capability goes from very, very raw data to something of high value that your enterprise can use. So this uh, data lake is, uh, we we try to simplify the costing. It's actually less than that, but we wanted to make it something simple that you can remember. Essentially, it's about a dollar an hour to run. Uh, Depending on how you use the data lake, you have to represent the amount of data hosted within S3 that the data lake is managing, as well as any analytics compute environments that run on top of it. So those are something to keep in mind. And even though this says Q4, which is hopefully sometime very soon, this will be available tomorrow. So you can go to aws.amazon.com answers and go to the big data portion of that website and be able to get the data lake solution up and running uh, right, right away. So that's the end of our talk. We don't have any time for questions and answers. But if you want to see us, we'll be available in the front of the stage. Thank you very much.